Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And, and, and Robert Frazier today. And we got a special guest. Whoa, 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 whoa. How'd you get here? Who, Pete, did you let him in? We talked about this. <laughs> I don't control the Zoom anymore. I'm Zoom free. That's true. We've had well, uh, Robert we're on, we're on Frazier is with us today. <laughs> Bobby to his friends. <laughs> a little salty about this, but hey, it, it's awesome to have you on here, man. Honestly, uh, I was just telling you before we hit record, uh, I brag I know Bobby Frazier. I'll say Robert Frazier because I think you were more formal when we started. You came in, you came through the Bible Inner Circle years ago, and you went through jump school before it became the musical. I, I was jump school, pre-musical, never Bivo. I couldn't afford Pete's <laughs> rates. It was too expensive for me. Oh, no, that was Bivo Premium. But I think I'm I, trying I, to remember. Bivo <laughs> Premium. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, it is just, you know, it's funny. Those of you that don't know this, um, uh, you know, Bobby does uh, a show on uh, the other day on the podcast, I'm sure you guys all know this. You're here. You've got to know this. And you've listened to their show. Their topics are rad. Um, and we we agreed that we would cast shade at each other. But um, the reality is uh, I am so impressed with Bobby as a planner, as uh, just a, a leader, um, as a mover and shaker. And for us, when he approached us and said, hey, uh, I'm interested in the Church Planner podcast. It was an honor to us, like a real honor. And, um, you know, I joke around that I, I brag I know Bobby uh, Frazier. So it's just good to to be on here. And this is the 501st episode, which it, it, we, we didn't make it for the 500th, 
which because we didn't think about it till you, I think right now, after did, we did clear. I he, I thought about it. Yeah, he brought it up to us. And I think we just ignored the texts or something. No, I don't we know. got the text like two hours like, after we recorded. And I was like, oh. no, 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 no. He actually hit us up like a while ago. Oh, I did. remember. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. We did definitely text you like a month ago, and we go, yeah, we should do that. And then you just record it without us, and we're like, well, oh, you okay. Ha- I see you how have it to is. Know- you have to know about my my memory right now. Like yeah. literally, I'm at this stage in my life where I'm recording audio guides for through the word. And yesterday I was looking and I'm like, I did Jude in August? What? What? I don't remember doing Jude. Apparently I recorded the book of Jude. I mean, okay, there's one chapter. It's, it's, a, it's a short, it's a short book. So that's that's an easy one to forget. But you tend to to remember when you've like studied for and produced an audio guide for a book of the Bible. But, uh, you know, that's where I'm at these days. But 501st is unique. Those of you that are longtime fans, uh, you should know by now this star, this show has a heavy Star Wars uh, theme. And that is the uh, 501st is Darth Vader's Regiment. So this also is a special show. That's all I is say. It his, is, is it his regiment or his squadron? Is it his flighter wing or is it like, because he's like a general too, right? I, I'm not. I'm not deep enough. I'm just asking questions. I think it is squadron. I don't know. Let me, let me, maybe it's regiment. Let's see. I got to be honest. When you watch Darth Vader as a pilot, he kind of leaves his wingman out to dry. Like you watch him and he's, he's like so focused on Luke. His wingman is just like, I guess I'm on my own. And then he gets blown up by Ham or whatever his name is. So it's 501st Legion. Legion. Okay. But see, this is how we stay respectable. We're we're Star Wars nerds, but we're not Star Wars nerds. Oh, dude, whatever you are. <laughs> there's on. like yeah, yeah. there's like a really thin argue. line there. <laughs> I mean, when all of a sudden you start correcting me, no, 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 no. Anakin was raised by Obi Wan, which was the older brother, instead of uh, Qui Gon, who was the father figure. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, hey, he had way too much knowledge. Have, have you guys seen that meme where it's like? Ewan McGregor and it says his brother is a fighter pilot for the Royal Air Force and his call signal is OB2. Have you heard this? No. no. How great is that? Like I it's amazing. I, I mean, he, he couldn't have any other call sign other than OB2 because his brother's OB1. That's pretty um, good. Yeah. That's pretty darn good. Uh, our I will I will say our smack talk is vastly different on Wednesdays, mostly because Tim and I only talk sports, and it's it's honestly a little too much. So if you ever if if you're if you're a Wednesday guy and you like our topics, but you're like I can't do the sports, just just you know scrub past it. It's about fifteen minutes. We're going to talk mostly Yankees, Red Sox, and now that baseball. See, these two guys are already bored. I can see it on their faces right now. They're like, we glazed over. <laughs> they're, they're like, what? Why are we talking? talking what is this strange talk he's talking about? I think I've heard of baseball. There's like hot dogs there, right? There is hot dogs. You got that. You got it. Yep. And pipe organ, (laughs) which is kind of like church. No, they tend to be electric because, you know, the stadium, it's pretty big. I actually went to a baseball game once. Someone took me, uh, this missionary guy, before he was a missionary, he was a a guy at my church. He goes, you've never been to a baseball game? I'm like, no. He's like, I'm going to take you. He's like, but I got to warn you, it is boring. But it's the experience. <laughs> so we sat there, and at one point, I look over, and I go, yep, this is pretty boring. You're, you're right. <laughs> I will say baseball is not nearly as boring as football. Like, just as a sport, 
Football's 15 minutes of action packed into three and a half hours. It's way too slow, especially in person. I have since been to Padres games in San Fran because when I was working with the Southern Baptists, they would be like, hey, church planners, let's all go to Padres games. They get uh, box seats and, uh, you know, they give us all the hot dogs and everything. And I got to tell you, man. The Southern Baptists, they always got the the goods, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it was actually really fun. And my daughter, first time, she must have been like eight. She was so into it that when we left, because it was getting too late for my youngest, she cried. Like she wanted to stay and watch the game, like the whole thing. And we're like, oh, it's like, I can't remember what time of night it was. We're like, we got to go. We got to put yeah, your sister yeah. down. But she cried. And my kids will jump to go to a Padres game. Really? Yeah. So you're, ra- you're raising sports fans and you're, you're going to be like, yeah, I love baseball. And your kids are going to be like, no, you don't, dad. No, no, I don't <laughs> love baseball, but I will go to a game. I have to yeah. admit, it's pretty fun with them. And then uh, football. I'll go watch football with with my stepdad. And they, uh, my oldest daughter, that same one, she's like, oh, I want to go with you, dad. So she'll want to go watch a football. So she's she's pretty cool that way. Mm. We uh, we went back to Boston. And I, I got to say, I probably went to Gordon-Conwell because it was so close to Fenway. Like if I had to like... <laughs> really really nail it down. it wasn't it wasn't theology it wasn't it wasn't professors it was like well i was just like drawing a map and it was the closest seminary to to fenway but like while while we're out there this this spring i brought all my kids to a game and we got great seats like behind home plate and my four kids are just losing their minds mostly because it's like the first time they've ever been to a baseball game and you know they they get to go take a picture with wally the green monster and do like a batting cage sort of thing. It's like a simulated batting cage. Have you seen these things? Like you put on VR goggles and like no. you, you swing a bat and it like tells you how far you hit it or whatever. Oh, but it cool. also makes you feel like there's a ball coming at your head. I might have ducked out of the way on a ball with a VR headset on. And my kids are like, dad, why'd you, why'd you fall down? And I'm like, the guy tried to hit me. I swear the guy That's tried awesome. to wing me with a ball. So yeah. Fenway, beautiful. You should go. If you're ever in Boston, Fenway is the best sports venue in America, period. You can bank that. I've been to Boston and I I, I skipped it. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is officially the (laughs) to Pete and I, the most boring smack talk ever because it's about sports. (laughs) (laughs) Just teasing. We should should move on. Yeah. No, no, actually, actually, though, it's funny because I often think, you know, like if you want to talk to dudes, right, like you you do either talk about, you know, something to do with science fiction or whatever, like for for P to be like, what's the one with uh, Vin Diesel and all the cars um, fast and furious? No, no, those are those are so bad. They're good. That's all I know. Sharknado, like you're going to pull something completely ridiculous out to talk to a dude about sports. I did watch the Meg two the other day on uh, HBO oh, Max. Was that pretty it's bad? Not as good. It was real. Like it was so much worse than the first, which made it great. <laughs> like yeah, it yeah. There's like a you know, it, there's a bell curve to everything, and it's like it's like blood in a film. If there's a little <laughs> bit of blood, it's like like okay. If there's a lot of blood, it's kind of disturbing. But then there, yeah. there's way too much blood. It becomes funny. Like there's- you know, what's funny <laughs> is is the Meg Pete. <laughs> At its first trailer. 
it never got better than its first trailer. The first no. movie was not like it peaked at its trailer. And, you know, yep. Yep. that's the man. Well, well, so we did, we actually did a little piece on our, on our episodes about like sports as mission. And what we talked about was that if like, I, I have, I have times where I kind of go in and out of sports. I'm probably a natural mm-hmm. sports fan. My dad hated sports. I'm in one of those out times right now for myself. <laughs> I've been oh, that I, way for 48 years. I've, I've I'm had times going. where I'm like, I've got to get out of this. I'm spending way too much time on ESPN. But what has brought me back two or three times is I'll be standing around with a group of guys and they're talking smack about sports. And that's the way that's the entree into their lives. I've got I've got 13 guys that are all people of peace in my life. They're people I love. And we do fantasy football together. Oh, it's like I I pay 20 bucks to have a season long text conversation with my friends. And it's the best the best investment I'll make missionally all year. And so, like, think of. Like as missionaries, you know, we're always, I've been reading a Michael Frost new book. Have you seen this? The sh- shape of mission is water. You read yep. that? Yep. Um, I haven't read it, but I've seen it. Speaking of, I'm having him on the podcast next week. So oh, we talking about nice. the book, which you can like but, him. <clears throat> y'all, he's, he's a firecracker, man. I love, love that guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. You follow yeah, him on social he'll media. Whack you one. Oh, he's, he's always, he's always got some, some salty bit to give you if, if yeah. you, if you fall in line, but dude he is he, one of the best storytellers I've ever heard of my oh, life. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read, you read exiles back in the day? Him and Alan oh, yeah, has a great book. Oh, that book, that book probably took me on my missionary journey. Like that was the thing that like, it, I, I read that before I read the shape of things to come and it shaped um, the trajectory of my ministry i, I hear i thought you were going to say church zero but it, it's oh, okay. church zero was it's just okay. too late it was too late in my I'm life i'm just teasing <laughs> i'm just teasing no mike and frost honestly, is great but anyway sorry sorry to interrupt yeah. your story man anyways uh his, his book is all about the shape of mission is it fits into whatever container it's in and it's yeah. like w- when we go into a space we have to ask what is good news and what is the culture of these people and how do i help the gospel make sense yes. where they're at and yes. so, you know, Pete, you're in Texas. You're going to have to talk about sports and guns and conservative politics. You hit two of those naturally, so you're you're fine. <laughs> yes and no. What's ironic is uh, where I live, it's very much like where I left as far as politics are concerned. And even for that matter, guns, because most of the people around me don't, they're not actually from Texas. And, yeah. and most of them, ethnicity-wise, 40% of my area is Indian. So you, and, you're going to have to stop eating beef is what it sounds like. To, to yeah, <laughs> no, I'm I'm a missionary of another type. <laughs> What's funny, though, is we used to joke back when when I was in California, I was my mission. Well, <laughs> this will sound really bad was to arm pastors because I had so many pastors reaching out to me going, hey, uh, I kind of need to get a gun and I don't know what I should get because, you know, I'm in here in California. I'm like, come to my house. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to take you through this process. It, it now, started. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but <laughs> yeah, it, it started. But I didn't sell it to them. I just told them what they needed. Listen, there was a you progression. A, a gun, a gun show in the back of your house so that you could get the gun at the show church. Exception. I opened it at the church. What are you talking about? There, there was a progression with Pete where when it started, he's like, "Hey, if you're in town, come over and watch my giant TV." Because you know, ten years ago, like a big giant TV like Pete's was way, you know, not everyone had that. And then, uh, so people do that. And then after a while, was, "Hey, come over to my house and I give you a ride in my car," which sounds weird, but you know, everybody we talk about that car all and the time. I have candy for you, kid. Come on. Then, then it was Pete. Right. Then it was Pete. Hey, come on over and I'll arm you 
<laughs> like, I have a small a arsenal. <laughs> I, I take payment plans. <laughs> so, anyways, no, we 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 just Pete Pete keeps everything legal and above board, <clears throat> and then he moved to Texas. So, uh, Where everything's legal. <laughs> I mean, you, we're we're in Idaho, and so somebody Ooh. said we need to make sure to have like a uh, a security team at our church. And I go, listen. Half this room, half this room is armed. What are we, yeah. what are, what yeah, are we talking know. about here? <laughs> if, if I wanted to disarm this room, I'd have problems. <laughs> That's rad. That's funny. Well, you know, I I do appreciate you keeping the smack talk tradition going. That that is that is wonderful. I did get a call from uh, the planner, formerly known as White Tyrone, and he called up uh, this week and said, "You're gonna love this." My daughter was listening to your podcast. She was checking it out and she, her, her observation was dad, they have a topic listed, but they show up and they just talk about whatever they want. <laughs> don't they It's like, this is the best I got to tell you. So there we go. It's on there, but you got to scrub forward. If you want to get, it's like a titsy yeah. roll pop, you know, you got to lick, you know, around the edges till you get to the chewy center. And then, then, then we talk reality. I, I'm uncomfortable with that visual, but we can just. Both of you were. You both made facial. Uh, <laughs> hey, to the pure, please, all things please, are pure. Please don't use that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> you said two words. It made me feel uncomfortable. Okay, speaking, of, I did say to you. Uh, why did Why did Han Solo not like a steak? It was. It was. Chewy. It was too chewy. It was chewy. <laughs> see it, it's when you say it's too chewy it sounds okay as soon as you say it is chewy it really like making it that verb it's that verb it takes a dark turn yeah, then. yeah it really does <laughs> oh man well we want to uh get into our topic today and our topic is wait wait wait, wait 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 do, oh, do oh, i get oh, to hit oh, 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 oh. oh well, we have the we sound. have sound effects yeah. all right here we go Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. There you go. There we go. Hey, all right. Can, can I get those? Because we we have to like do that <laughs> manually by voice each week. <laughs> Are you guys doing that too? Oh, Come yeah. on. We, we did it for years manually because the soundboard was broke. <laughs> oh man. But but we only have room for a few i would love to 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 sample new ones i remember sending pete like 200 and he's like yeah i'm not going to use any of those but <laughs> i had so many i was so proud i had been hunting like brother where art thou i mean i was going through everything i knew i'm in a tight spot i'm in a tight spot i had all these great and Pete's like yeah no and then i made you like 20 for your birthday remember that made yeah. you a bunch a bunch do. of Yoda ones, send them to you. Some of them were inappropriate to be shared with others. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> really? really? <laughs> yes. See, now now you can get anybody to say anything with AI. It's a different world. Right? Like we could. We don't even need voice actors. We could just have Christopher Walken do something for us. You know, you want to know what's really funny? Uh, through the word, they're actually making voice personalities for us for translation. So, like, uh, there'll be a Peyton Jones doing his audio guides in Spanish. It's all AI. They did one of Chris Langham. I could not tell the difference. And Even though it was in a different language, you couldn't tell the difference? <laughs> no, no. They did the English one first. Then okay. they sampled the Spanish. Could not tell. And I know Chris super well. Could not tell. So, Pete, you and I, technically, we could be having this podcast AI. If we get a little busy. You know, I'll have to send... 
I'll have to send Robert. See, we're not good enough friends. He's not Bobby to me. He's he's still Robert. <laughs> still I'll have Robert. to send Robert the. Uh, <laughs> I actually paid a voice actor to do a Christopher Walken happy birthday. So and so I would uh, voicemail drop that to clients and stuff on their birthdays. And it's like, you cannot tell if you know who Christopher Walken is. And see, that's the thing is I realize now that's that I'm really getting good. older, like these younger people are like, who's Christopher Walken? <laughs> I just think that's absurdly <laughs> bad. Like their lives have been deficient in so many movies, but uh, it's, it's really, it's great. It's a good one. Speaking of remind me to talk to you guys. I, I have figured out a way to take, short segments and turn them into blog posts and articles with AI. That's incredible. Oh, nice. Like Ooh. we're able like we, I, yeah. Cool stuff. Okay. Let's talk about that later. All right. Uh, I, that sounds like a job for Brooks and Brooks mm-hmm. is listening. So okay, uh, Brooks. that Brooks, was, hey, me it was, it was Brooks. idea. Poor Brooks is like, great. Another thing I got to do. Thanks <laughs> a lot. Bobby. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, bro. It's gone from Bobby to Robert now. <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks Robert. Thanks Robert. <laughs> well, uh, in Spanish, Roberto, since we're being multicultural today, uh, what we wanted to do was we wanted to uh, pick your brain because on the last one, we talked about how things had changed over the last 10 years. It's been 10 years, and I think you pointed that out. We, <laughs> I don't think we realized that, Pete. It's been 10 years, and we knew it was like 500 episodes. But what we want to talk about today, you know, you're the age – that we were. So like I was 40 when this started. I think Pete was like 38. So that that's pretty cool, man. Like f- t- 10 years ago, man, like I was a lot younger. I look at this old man in the mirror now. I'm like, dude, who's this guy? Right. Like yeah. he I barely, I got a little bit of color on the on the on the edges, almost like I was eating real sloppy, you know, a little bit of ketchup on the side on my beard. But that's it, man. The rest is white. So I am old officially but you're 40 man that's not that's that's not too you just yeah if, you're just if, if i use color now. changing my great my beard stays brown still if i you know if, if i, I turn like this it. way and this way <laughs> yeah what do they call those those are the funniest ads when they used to have oh, those the, and the guy would turn it? sideways just for men is that what just, that's for, called? Men. just for men yeah. i was like he's like no I, i've I told jamie that. that if they had just for men in red I would so be coloring my hair because I got so much white hair now. So I told her, I go, when it goes full white, I'm going brown since they don't make my color. I'm like, well, I'm, she goes, she goes, don't you dare. I'm like, I'm doing it. My vanity's so got, kicking in. You got the Chris Kringle thing going. Like he goes red to white. And then you you go from like, you know, Chris Kringle to Santa Claus. It works. Don't, don't poke the bear. It just <laughs> gets worse. Though. Bear. Like if you look at, at redheads as they go white, it starts off. Oh, that looks good. Oh, look, he's got. And then it goes. Oh, yeah. Mm, nope. No. Nope. It just old. gets bad. It just gets bad. <laughs> That's rad. It starts looking more like an albino, right? I'm going to for sure. As white as I am. Yeah. That's what it yeah. starts to look like. People are going to be putting like... on sunglasses in a dark room when I walk in. They're going to be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, Robert, so we're, we're sorry see, to man? any albino listeners out there who are offended. By yeah. yeah. No, no they're, they feel seen. They're like, finally, we get a mention. Thank you, boys. Thank you. We, we felt invisible up till then. That was that was a joke. <laughs> you met Brian though, right? He was the uh the little person albino. What? No, what? <laughs> we have one of those listening? One. Oh he's a little man, person Brian. albino. Brian, why have we not met? <laughs> Brian, drop us a drop us an Instagram Please. <laughs> at Church <Planner> Podcast. <laughs> Please. 
man, that's Peyton wants cool. to hire you for so many different jobs. So many. <laughs> oh, my Mostly gosh. ninja throwing stars at Exponential. Dude, I still that remember. story still cracks me up. Man. We were going to get the Winnebago. You're hired. And That's he wanted so to hire wrong. like 50 little people to come pouring out of the Winnebago at Exponential, <laughs> throwing ninja stars all over the place. That was actually the conference I met Robert at. Oh, was it? Back okay. when he was Robert. Yeah, that was actually the conference I met him at, which was pretty funny. Oh, that would have been and great. Then you and I are just talking, and then Alan Hirsch just, just kind of strolls you, up. Yeah. We're in like these back bowels of like this conference, right? Like nobody's walking up these. I don't know how we met there yeah. or whatever we walked from your car and went some weird way then alan comes walking up and i'm like how cool is this we, we both just fanboy over hey oh how's yeah. it going we'd yeah, love was, to talk to you <laughs> he was you know it was funny because i just met you and was really really blessed meeting you but then when alan walks up i'm just like you know i met a lot of people you know authors different things but he was so humble and down yeah, well, to earth and, and so and he was, real. He wanted to talk about prayer is what he wanted to talk about, which was like, you know, you're at a conference all about strategy and, you know, yeah. church planting. And he's like, we need to really dive deep into our prayer because that's where the the power of, you know, I think he was talking about um, like movemental thinking actually like starts with prayer. Do you want to know something funny? I, I, I'm pretty tight with Alan nowadays. He was 50 when we met him. So he was my age when we met him and that was the year because this has started happening to me now too where any free time i have i want to fill with prayer right so like i don't i'm thinking differently if i'm in the car I'm, i don't want to have a podcast on i don't like my life is changing and it's the same thing but when alan was here he spent about five six weeks with us here in san diego and we just were picking his brain talking and that's what he said he said you know when i hit 50 i realized i don't really know how to pray and i was telling him you know i i feel the same he goes it's the age this is what happens you know if you're walking with god there's this weird calling to go deeper into prayer mm. and um and that's where he, he was at that stage and i remember he was talking to us and he was saying there are times where i'm spending hours in prayer yeah. and he yeah. wasn't bragging he was just he was marveling he's like yeah. i lose track of time yeah. you know it's like he's getting transported so anyway, let's, let's just tell Alan stories the rest of the day. That right. <laughs> but okay, so Robert, here's here's where we're setting you up here. Um, what are you seeing? Because you're younger than us, and that's what this podcast really in some ways it 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 benefits from okay, now now I would say I'm a sage, right? But it benefits from having younger blood in here and you like still kind of in that, you know, what uh Eldridge might call that king phase, right? As I'm moving mm -hmm. into that sage phase. Um, what do you see? I was, I was talking with a couple of younger guys, uh, you know, we're, I lead a church planning movement here in the treasure Valley around Boise. And we've <clears throat> had tons of church planners last six years. There's, I think we're next week is like number 75 church plans, just some crazy stuff happening. And so I've gotten to watch a lot of guys <clears throat> over a little bit of time, you know, six or seven years. And then I, my my friend and cohort group planted about 10 years ago and now we're all kind of in that next phase of the second the second journey in in deciding if we're going to stay or go uh so so i've seen quite a bit and i i think the biggest shift i was talking with a church planning guy who's actually he's ag somebody's a god and 
they're they have a model in their in their community that's really focused on the launch large because Sunday gatherings are all about worship. It's it's all about this massive gathering that's focused around like word and song. Like that's word song prophecy. They kind of like Sundays is really, really big for them. And they're they're raising millions and millions and millions of dollars for church planting. And their biggest issue is they can't find young people who think it's a good idea to launch large, hmm. which is like from 10 years ago, the vision was if I launch large, if I do the the arc model of get 250 people, wow. get you know a quarter million dollars, get to 300 people by year one, 600 people by year two, and I'll be a mega church by year five. Like that was kind of like the trajectory. And of course, there's like a bunch of really bad outcomes that come from that. And most of them are around the plant of themselves, almost killing themselves because the pressure to grow is so high that they can't actually form spiritually in the midst of the work. And the the pressure to grow is so big that they they get overwhelmed and they pull the ripcord and they're like, somebody else can lead this massive organization I just built because it it's killing me. Mm. We had we had three of those guys <clears throat> here in our valley who raised a bunch of money, planted churches, and then just bailed three years in because they were they knew that they weren't going to hit the numbers and it was a failure a 600 person church was a failure to them Mm. which is like there's some craziness there but what what the church planning organizations are finding is they can't find guys who want to do that anymore because those guys have heard the stories they've seen the lives they know that like leading a church isn't something that's going to give them the celebrity that they're looking for or give them the impact that they're looking for. And a lot of the younger guys are coming in with more of a deconstructing the ecclesiology of the church. They're, they're stepping from, we need to build a church to, we need to do disciple making and we need to reach lost. They're, they're thinking missionally. And I think that's probably the biggest shift I've seen is just a, a real radical reforming because on the ground, if, if you're, you know, I'm in a post-Christian, never, never majority Christian place here in Boise. It's uh, politically conservative, but it's religiously, it's like 44% of people have any religious mm. like identity here. It's pretty, pretty low. And I, I work in digital marketing. I do the same thing Pete does bivocationally. I have a marketing firm and I, I work with churches and they, they'll ask for help with digital marketing and they'll be like, well, I'm just going to hit Google search ads really hard. But you go to Google search ads in Boise and to get leads from people searching for churches, it's really, really expensive. You know mm. why? Because nobody's searching for churches. Wow. Like if you want to you know, pay to get served in front of the 50 people looking for a church in a given week, yep. it's going to cost you a lot of money because there's no one there. There's just no people, one there. People don't equate church with spirituality anymore. No. They and they're actually, not, yeah, yeah, they're not looking for church. When they when they see church, I think now people think scandal. They think, mm-hmm. um, uh, who is the guy? Carl? Get closer to your mic. Oh, sorry. Who is a guy? Carl from um, I don't know what it was. Um, Hillsong. Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was big news. I think people tend to now they're getting more and more suspicious. Like if I see someone like that. Um, who seems real hip and cool. He's probably yeah. cheating, you yep. know, and not, not to yep. cash shade on Carl Lentz. Like he's different than any of the rest of us. What I mean is 
you know, I, I just think people's perception now is that church, just like TBN, you guys make a ton of money. You waste a ton of money on things that don't matter, yep. like your yep. church building and your graphic artists and your music and uh, don't really help the poor in the community. If you do, it's usually some kind of scam. None of the money really goes there. You go there for a weekend, do some project, whatever, yep. Yep. you know, but I don't, I don't think people typically, uh, they equate church with spirituality anymore. They equate it with concerts. They equate it with concerts and they, they equate it with, you're going to take my money and my time and I'm not going to get anything in return. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they see it as a bad deal because they don't, they're not really looking for the religious goods and services that churches have typically provided in exchange for engagement and money. Yeah. That, that transaction doesn't work anymore, which is great because it was never meant to be what the church was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed right. to be a service provider organization. It was supposed to be the gathered people who have been transformed in the way of Jesus living on mission in the world. That That's a big shift for a lot of people. And I think that there's young church planners are saying, that's what I want. I actually want to make a difference. I want to, mm. I want to transform my city. I want to see lost people come to faith and I want to live life deeply connected. And I, I got to say that's, that was our vision from the beginning. And that's what we've done. We, we lead a micro church network is my, our church redemption Hill. <clears throat> and we've got 10 micro church that gather together for a little bit of worship and celebration on Sundays, but Sundays is as simple as possible so that all of our money and resource and time is going outside of the walls of Sundays. Like it's, we de-emphasize it and the people who come want that and people who don't, don't, you know? Yeah. So I, I think there's a big, big shift there. There's still a few guys who are trying hard and who are working to build mega, but what they're finding is it's harder to do. It's more expensive than ever. Um, you're talking 300,000 to a million bucks to plant a large church, which, you know, like just in, in context, we've planted probably 20 or 30 churches for under $30,000 with Bivo planters who um, have different models. Uh, we can, we can do a lot for that, that kind of money. Um, and I think guys are not, they're not willing to give up their lives and their families for church. They're willing to do it for mission, but they're not willing to do it for an organization. Yeah. And so, and so they're changing their relationship with their people and saying, uh, I don't like they're, they're kind of, they're fighting the spiritual feudalism of the Lords are the consumers and I have to do what they want me to do. I think church planters are coming in saying, I'm going to go where God's calling me to. And you've got to, you've got to follow me or just, you don't get to be apart rather than let him push him around. That's still, you know, that's still a contested space, but I think there's more of that where church planners are saying, I'm not going to sacrifice my life to make sure that you have a nice kids ministry. It's like, you're going to participate. We're going to do this together. It's, it's more collaborative. I think APEST as a concept and the team planting model is like that's that's in every every conversation you have in church planting, they're talking about teams and they're talking about APEST and five voices. And I think that that is a vital transformation that the church needs to make too. Yeah. What, um, you know, with, in regards to some of these shifts, um, obviously flesh and blood does not reveal these things to us, right? We, Exponential always talks about, um, you know, the, the magnetic pull back towards, you know, level three, mm -hmm. uh, which is at, you know, growth by addition. 
What have been some of the other factors out there? We mentioned Alan. Um, what, what have been some of the factors that you think have changed the way that people think? What do you think people were putting in the Kool-Aid, this shift between how the younger generation, the next gen of church planners coming up is thinking versus how when this podcast came on the scene 10 years ago, I mean, I, I think for us, we were we were saying stuff. And by the way, I'm not fishing for you to say us because I don't think it's been us. But um, 10 years ago, uh, I think when we came up, we were very much counterculture to where church planning was at. Our podcast was the first weekly church planning podcast. But it was very countercultural. Um, we, we were not cozying up to the people with big money and big budgets and big churches by any means, which... Thinking back, Pete, maybe maybe our strategy was all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> From I mean, a financial are, standpoint, yes, it was. <laughs> what do you think the factors are that have changed your thinking? Because that has been one of the most encouraging things that I'm seeing right now. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd say there's three, three pieces of that. The first is... Uh, I mean, Daryl Guter and Leslie Newbegin and all, all of the missional framework that happened in the nineties, it, the guys who were the early practitioners, I mean, Hirsch and Ferguson and Halter and those guys wrote the books in the early two thousands that gave us all vision for how church could be different and how it could be expansive and it could fill every space and the sentness of the church. And, um, I think yeah, there's so there's so many guys. You got Woodward, and um, you got man. I'm just there's there, there's so many of those voices early on that created space. Alan Hirsch and Michael Frost were the center of it. I think yeah. the shaping of things to come, Exiles, um, man, forgotten the, ways, yeah. yeah, forgotten ways. Like those three books were so important in shifting people's thought. And then I I do think Dave and Alan's book um, for me on the verge was the was the final kind of nail in the coffin of taking the the theoretical and the the very complex way that Alan Hirsch explains things and turns it into something that is a is a missional um strategy that could work both in small and large. Hmm. Um so I, I feel like that all those things kind of were in this shape. And early on, because of what happened with the emergent movement, this liberal um kind of shift towards justice and away from gospel, it got dismissed. The missional movement got this dismissed as this faddish thing. But what happened is it became the center of the mission of the church over 10 years mm-hmm. because guys saw that it was essentially the way of the first century. It was it was you and other guys looking back and saying, this isn't new, this is ancient. This is the forgotten ways. And we're going to figure out ways to live it out and do the way of Jesus in the way of Jesus, not the way of Jesus in our way. Um, and so, so I think that like there was a thought piece that has transformed the church. Um, I think the second piece is the internet has reshaped how we, how we organize ourselves as movements where you needed the connections of a large movement to fundraise 20 years ago. I don't think you need that now. I think that like you can create networks on your own without the establishment of denomination and association. Yeah. Um, and so independence has, it's, it has a, 
a lot of really good things and some really bad things to it, but it has mm-hmm. made church planting more entrepreneurial because you don't have to fit within a denominational system. And I, you've worked in denominational systems. They have very particular ways that they expect you to do the work. And if you don't fulfill that, they yank the check. And so they get the outcomes that they get based on the systems that they've built. And I think that the internet has created this kind of open source platform for ideas and for connection that wasn't there before. Mm. Um, and then I think that the third piece is our culture has shifted from a from a late Christian stage to a post-Christian stage. And that's that's in varying degrees in different regions. And we aren't reaching people who have church backgrounds because people don't have church backgrounds. And if they do, they were probably pretty bad and they have rejected them. And so in my context, 55% of people say none of the above when you ask them what their religion is. And a third of those are going to be rejecting all religion because of their experience. And so if you want to reach them, you've got to get much, much more granular and specific and go to them and figure out what they need. And it can't be a catch-all radio, mass media. You've got to target it to their actual needs. You got to live out the gospel. You got to figure out what is good news, where they're at. And then your people have to go, hear this, this, this is it. Embody the kingdom of God. The spirit of God comes to life in the place where they show up. And I think that that's, that's the shift is you can't rely on the always because they always don't work. And so we're being pushed into the ancient ways, which is probably a better, better place to be. I love that. I think that's all really good. I want to, you know, it's funny. I, I want to say um, just a, a shout out to Exponential that I think you mentioned like it, it, it was like this faddish thing and it moved into mainstream. When I look back over the 10 years, I mean, you know, exponential, I think at a certain point, like when I first got back, I went and I even said this to the team there at one point when I came on staff, I said, Hey, you know, you guys used to be the apes. It was like the Lollapalooza of missional people, but now it's like the STs and like everybody's jaw dropped open and they looked at me like, Oh, how could you say such a thing? You know? <laughs> and, and I was, I thought they all knew. Uh-huh. But the reality was that I didn't mean that as an insult. What was interesting to me and what I think was wise and smart and good is that at a certain point, they sat and talked over and said, if we just keep going after church planters, we're never going to shift uh-huh. the percentage. Their goal is to shift a percentage towards multiplication. They said, we got to go up the food chain and talk to the established churches you know, if it were a punk movement or something, you'd be like, oh, you sold out. You went mainstream. The reality is they knew what they were doing. And they, they did it. Actually, they did it. They did it. They they changed the conversation in the mainstream by going after the established pastors, mm-hmm. which to me was a, a brilliant stroke of strategy, which, of course, you know. Todd Wilson, go figure, right? And Dave's Dave's no slouch in strategy either. Yeah. Well, and and what happened for a lot of those guys is the established church saw that there was new ways of thinking that they weren't seeing, yeah. and it created a bunch of cover for them when they went to ask for money and they said, hey, I'm going to open up a pub that has a church. They're like, okay, I could maybe get there. You know, like all of a sudden that was like in the realm of possibility where in 99, that would have been a deal breaker, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's great. 
Well, man, that's, I mean, those three things are really insightful. I really appreciate that. And, you know, thank God for all the, all the things. I think one of the things that we've mentioned is I think COVID kind of, it's, it was almost kind of like, you know, when you're shaking rocks out of your shoes, that's what COVID felt like. It felt like the dish being turned upside down and shook a bit, you know, like that, that biblical narrative, um, you know, the, the dish, the dish got shaken a bit and a bunch of people fell out and they didn't come back. And it just seems like when you said, Hey, we're in a post Christian, it, it doesn't occur to the church. We've been in a post Christian society, but it didn't, the church didn't wake up to it. And, and I remember saying this in church zero, give it 10 to 20 years when attrition happens and then the, the church shrinks then the church will wake up to what's happened outside its walls because it's so focused on what happens inside its walls. It doesn't notice until the numbers shift. And once the numbers drop, there's an irreversible age gap that spans those couple decades when the church was only focused inside. And that's where we're at now is there's an irreversible age gap. There's a huge age gap. And especially when you look at leaders, like we were talking before we jumped on here, I'm 40 and I'm the youngest person in almost every room I'm in right now. I'm the oldest now. It's, it's weird. (laughs) That, that is weird. But like (laughs) what you're seeing is, you know, you look at church planters and we don't have 20 and 30 somethings that are working on church staffs. Like yeah. 10 years ago, those were the You're people right. who filled church staff roles because yep. they wanted to work in churches and they wanted to do something meaningful. Those people aren't there anymore. Oh. You, have you tried to look for a worship pastor lately? Look at those, look at those job yeah. boards and they are like people just desperate for anybody to come help them put on church services. Wow. So like I play a mean kazoo. So, and, and honestly, you probably get a job. I got a job for you, Pete, if you want to be a worship leader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that's that's where we're at. And when you look behind that, my kids' generation, so my oldest is nine, so she's like the alpha or like the youngest Gen Z. And you look from 10 to 25, less than 10% of those kids were ever involved in any church community. Wow. I mean, you're talking it's 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 staggering. And I in our in our community, uh, we have seven percent of people are in a gospel church in a given week, 7%. And demographically, that sounds really small, and it actually is pretty small, 7%. 12% consider themselves Protestant. So there's like, you know, a broader group that has some kind of churchy background. Um, but you you think about it, 7% of 800,000 is like 56,000 people. And those 56,000 people feel really strong because they know each other and they feel integrated and networked and all that. But when you really get down to it, you go to my high school around the corner, none of those kids have any idea who Jesus is, what he did or what the gospel is. And so we're in a true missionary moment where you get to be the first person you go to a high school and you talk with teenagers, you're going to be the first person to introduce that person to the gospel. Mm. We can kind of reshape the church and reshape gospel in a healthier way because they're not going to have church hurt because they never went to church. And that's actually Not a terrible wow. thing in a lot of yeah. ways. That's yeah. interesting. It's funny, you know, because I was thinking about the church that we're going to right now. It's got like 600 people a weekend that go to it. And um, I mean, that's small for that's Texas, a failing right? church in Texas. It, yeah. I, I, it Are you guys going to make it through the year? <laughs> well, the thing is, I, when I was talking to the pastor, he goes, yeah, we've been losing about 100 people a year for the last 10 years. And and like I said, most of my area now, like 40% of it's Indian. 
and most of the people here, it's it's culturally different, right? You're you're not if you're Indian, you're not going to some white church that you're like, what? I don't even know what this is. Like it's just it's not the same thing. But that's another point. Um, I remember the uh, the pastor we were talking one time. He goes, oh yeah, you know we we need uh because we need younger couples like you. I go, hey, uh, we have young kids. We're not actually as young as you think we are, because like last Sunday. For the student ministry, which is sixth grade through uh, senior high, twelfth um, grade, there were two kids who showed up. Oh wow! In a church out of a church was six hundred. That should be sixty or so. Like that's demographically. Like that's the age gap yeah. you're talking yeah. about. Wow, that's insane. Well, on that positive note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, so, but I, so the, I. The answer to that is not give up. The no. answer is. Go be teenagers. Yeah, there's opportunity there. You look at the 1950s and all the parachurch organizations that blew up in that time. It's because the church didn't know how to reach teenagers and they weren't figuring out how to live as missionaries. And I, I spent 10 years as a missionary teenager, so I'm pretty passionate about this. But I think if, if you want to reach the next generation, you have to actually reach the next generation, not their parents. You've got to go to where they're at and figure out how to get yep. into their lives and see transformation. And see, I think you see gospel movement if you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I've said this before that if, if you focus, cause right now my core team is like all young, half of them are young people. What was really cool was this weekend, we had a really small core team, you know, those weeks where like everybody's got COVID or whatever. It was one of those, except all the young people were there and it was awesome because it just felt like, like me and them just having this rad chat and I started Aiden off telling, and his 12 disciples. That's, what it was, that's, that's exactly what we did. I <laughs> kicked off with, Hey, that's exactly what I said to him is I'm picturing like you are the 12. Mm-hmm. And I said, did you know that, that the 12 were around your age and they go, what they were, they were teens. And I'm like, yeah, they were probably teenagers. all of them except Peter were under 20. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, look, you know, uh, they were they were young people, and you know Jesus wanted to change the world with people just like you at your age with your mindset. We had the best time, and I had to give a couple stink eyes. He's how they screw around, and so we had this rad talk about <laughs> when when to invest your full heart, like when a moment's sacred, like during mm-hmm. communion, and when we can screw around. Like we had that talk as well. It was kind of funny because I told him, I, and I told him the story about hey, when I was in church. I was saved in my in my early teens and uh, or my mid teens, I guess. And I said, you know, we actually, um, you know, we would get rebuked all the time for like, you know, when the church back in the eighties, nineties, or whenever it was, they they would do the girl and and guy singing parts. You remember those old songs? And they'd have oh, yeah. the guy sing oh, a yeah. part and the girl sing a part, and we'd switch in rounds. In. And sing them like we're in, we're still worshiping, but we're like doing Monty Python voices for the girls' parts. And our our youth pastor would come over and be like, "Boys, boys, uh, you may think you're funny, but this is special to God, and you're wrecking it for the people around you." And we're like, "Well, we're still worshiping." I, I still think it's kind of funny. Yeah, and he would give us the stink eye, like we're still worshiping though, but we are screwing around, you know, and worshiping. And, you know, and so I was telling them that and they thought that was great. But honestly, man, like we've we've had this talk on the podcast that we're at that stage now 
where every major movement in the past has been with young people. And no matter what our strategies are, if we don't focus on young people, it don't matter. Well, honestly, it, we're at that page place where it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it, it's not going to be like the days of yesteryear where you'd go where kids congregate physically. They don't congregate physically unless they're at school in class. That's the only place where they are. And so if you want to reach them, it's going to have to be a hybrid digital digital into physical space. You're going to have to utilize yeah. digital spaces to engage them spiritually and get them to show up to something. It's not going to be a one or the other. It's going to be a both and. Yeah. That's the apostolic right. field right now is mm-hmm. digital. And yep. although I was initially resistant, like, oh, because you feel like you're sacrificing, it is the apostolic frontier right now. It's where you're going to well, engage. I'm working on a project right now. I'm calling it Dear Gen Z. And I'm going to start it. I'm going to, I'm going to have somebody who is Gen Z start a TikTok channel for me because <laughs> oh, I, nice. I don't even want to go on TikTok because I'm afraid of like my data. China. You're afraid hey. of China. You're afraid of China. That's hey. it. Like I, hey. I feel so old saying it, but it's real. Like that's it. That's hey, who my was. point is when the Democrats and the Republicans both come together and go, you know, we really shouldn't be doing TikTok. I'm like, there's something there. <laughs> That's when you know. When they agree hey, on anything, you're like, okay. Right. <laughs> hey, New Breed has a TikTok channel, and we just were having this conversation because, like, Brooks uh-huh. will go on there and he'll uh-huh. rock it. Then old guy me, you know, they'll put my videos on there. I'm like, guys, from now on, there just needs to be, like, a picture we, with we some AI. text on we it when AI I'm talking. Yeah, AI. Yeah, we use AI to, to make Peyton look 25. <laughs> yeah, Pey- Pey- Peyton has no business graphically represented on TikTok right like there's well, no point in that so well, and we're, hey, we're using we're using an application because i don't even want to put it on my phone anyways uh but i'm doing this project where i'm going to be basically like making videos that's like my love and care for gen z and helping them like process through the world we're in and like just basically old man hey i actually love you and care about you and i want to share some things i've learned and i think that going into their space could create some room for like fatherly older brother older sister kind of love and care that especially if it's where they're at they're more likely to engage with it so i don't know just missionaries thinking differently right yeah yeah no that makes sense well hey we're kind of out of time so uh bobby we want to thank you for coming on man it's been awesome having you on here and picking your brain and before we go i i just want to say you know we're 500 and one episodes now into this story and we just you know me and tim tim's a slacker he's not here today but me and tim have just been on it for what five months now and i want to say i know that i know how much work has taken over the years for you guys to do this and as somebody who listened and was deeply formed in my planting journey by your voices and by your stories and by the interviews that you've done I want to say thank you. Like just you, you've killed it and you've created lots of room for people to think differently about church planting, people who are in established churches looking for new ways of thinking about mission. Um, I, I think you've done that. Not even just in America, you look at our demographics of people around the world who are hearing from you and being shaped by you. And, and you guys took what you had learned from the missional, you know, frontier and brought it to the people who needed it. And so thank you for being pioneers. And um, I, I was so happy when you said yes, because I, I think that what we've created is a really cool little community here and I'm glad you guys have invested so much in it. So thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really awesome. That, that was why we did it, man, was for just 
people out there that were like, man, no one understands me, you know, like all this stuff being written is not for me. Is there, and at that time, you know, we, we hadn't written a church planning book. Church Zero was this like angsty manifesto. I don't, I don't quite know what it was, but it, um, yeah, it probably didn't need to be written, but this podcast, it's over the years, man, just people feeling like they're not alone uh-huh. and being crazy, you know, that, that's that been worth it. But because this is the 501st episode, I do want to say, Ed Stetzer told you that your father was killed by church planting. I have me a problem. No, sorry. I, I tried to pull it off. It didn't work. It, it worked for me because, like, my dad was a church planner. So it feels was like he? <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a shot in the dark there. And, you know, uh, I figured I'd, I'd maybe I should use Alan Hirsch, but I wanted to tell you I was your father during this podcast. You know, I believe it. Um, I, I, and, I and if that. you scream, no, no, that's not possible, you'd be right. So, uh, anyways, back to the Emperor, Pete. Evil Lord yeah, of the Sith. About this. Uh, oh, am I supposed to do the uh, the final closeout? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, church planner, if you want to go, no, 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 that's not it. If you want to reach, <laughs> nobody's reaching. You got to go where <laughs> nobody's going, and two, what nobody's doing. Five hundred and one <laughs> episodes, and I can't remember the the closeout. Ten years. Line. Can't get it yet. Ten years. <laughs> I make Tim do it to learn it each week. Oh, nice. Yes, that's exactly it. If you want to reach ones no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. See, in all fairness, you did the first 450 of them. So I I really have only been doing them for a little bit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.